0: Back in Paul's letter to the Philippians. Just a brief reminder of how we got where we're at. We're at the end of chapter 2 when we were graciously interrupted with evangelism. (laughs) And that was really fun, very encouraging. So, where we left off was actually verses 12 through 18, and we were talking about our responsibilities before God. And our relationships will be coming before us tonight. And this is right off of Paul addressing the humility of Christ. The humblest of all men who as we sang tonight has now the highest name above all. In verses 12 through 18 our responsibility is to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. Not in a sense that we tremble before God, but we must have this awesome respect for the God that we serve. And it's actually God working in us as we just simply yield ourselves to us. And so now as Paul has talked to the people he loves so much, because remember, this was the first church he planted. He's in prison. He's recollecting. He's thinking back upon his ministry. And he has this great joy that comes upon his soul as he's writing this letter. You know, because when he got put in prison after being beaten, him and Silas, they were able to lead the jailer to faith. They were able to leave his whole family to f- to faith. And I think they were up all night yeah, because they washed their wounds and led people to the Lord. I mean, it was an all-night experience, you know. And... um. And then when they wanted to let it, you know, just, okay, Paul, we made a mistake. We find out you're a Roman citizen. Sorry about that. See you later. Wait a minute. You beat us, you know, openly, and now you're going to let us go secretly? I don't think so. I love Paul. <laughs> and so it was a, just a great situation here. So he's got these fond memories. Those of you who have been serving the Lord for a long time, and you look back over your life, look back over your ministry and the times that you've been walking with the Lord. And, and you can have the same recollection of, of the occasions when God just visited. And he, he, there was such a move of God in your life and through your life and, and people, the joy. And this is, this is probably 10 to 12 years later that Paul's recollecting this. And it's just a great thing to think about what we sow, we reap. If we plant this kind of thing, this is the harv- kind of harvest we get. And so Paul, yeah, he suffered a lot. Yeah, he went through a lot. But boy, did he have a lot of joy. He had a lot to think back on as being precious. And this is this is what happens when you live an other-centered life, when you learn to be a servant. So Paul has talked about that in the person of Christ. And now he's going to bring to them two examples that are just incredible examples of of. Christ likeness first being uh, Timothy and let me get to my notes here verse 19 but I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly that he may also be encouraged when I know your state for I have no one like-minded who will sincerely care for your state. For all seek their own, not the things which are Christ Jesus. But I know his proven character, that as a son with his father, he served with me in the gospel. Therefore, I hope to send him at once, as soon as I see how it goes with me. But I trust in the Lord that I myself shall also come shortly. Let's continue on to verse And yet I consider it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother, fellow worker and fellow soldier, but your messenger and the one who ministered to my need, since he was longing for you all and was distressed because you had heard he he was sick. For indeed he was sick almost unto death, but God had mercy on him, not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow." Therefore I send him the more eagerly that when you will see him again you may rejoice and I may be less sorrowful. Receive him therefore in the Lord with all gladness and hold such men in esteem because for the work of Christ he came close to death not regarding his life to supply what was lacking in your service toward me. And so these are two men that Paul is bringing forth because they were serving the church, but they were also examples of Christ's likeness. Timothy has a, an example of humility, and then uh, Epaphroditus as one who was truly a servant-hearted individual. We see in Timothy, you know, he had this gift of ministry. He, he wanted to make sure that needs of people, the needs of the body of Christ were met uh, above his own. So let's take a look at some of these things that Paul Uh, Brings out here, as you know, Paul picked him up along the way in his first missionary journey. His his mother and his grandmother were women of faith, and uh, in the Ephesus area. And then he brought him along, and he became part of the ministry team with Luke. Uh, in Silas and then also initially with Barnabas so uh, he had quite a history but he stayed right there with Paul and as you read through Acts there you can see that he actually left Timothy and Berea and some of these other places went on ahead to Athens and then when it was appropriate he had them come down and then then they met together there in Corinth so uh, these guys were right there with Paul and um, you know Paul he seemed to draw a lot of attention and get into a lot of trouble we know and so sometimes it was just better for him to leave (laughs) and let those other guys subtly go about the ministry of the Lord but they were there they were they followed his instructions and and that was good and so he Paul refers to Timothy as a true son and I think this is a wonderful thing you know uh, I think on this a lot since I'm got more days behind me than I do in front of me I'm pretty sure uh, so I think about this in regards to the church that you know Jesus turned the leadership of the church uh, early church over to 20 year olds you ever think about that yeah. that's kind of scary isn't it well Peter might have been in his 30s but when he start thinking about it uh, John was, was probably a teenager uh, the apostle John when he began to follow the Lord 17, 18 so if he's 20 when Jesus died on the cross you know these guys were all in their 20s. And they were the leaders of the church. So, what does that tell us about the church today? You know, we got a lot of whiteheads in the Gravit Chapel movement. We got to pass the baton on. And this is important that we have these father son uh, type relationships, mother daughter type relationships. Women, The women's ministry needs to carry on. The men's ministry needs to carry on. The pastoral ministries need to carry on. You know, And so I'm really speaking to you younger people, aren't I? One of the things that um, Kathy and I were chatting about, and it just bore witness to me. I mentioned it to one of the things. I feel feel the liberty to share this. uh, I want to develop that in our church here. And one of the ways we'll do that, hopefully, is uh, maybe one Wednesday night in the uh, the near future, one Wednesday night, and we'll start this at least this way, uh, one Wednesday night a month, We'll turn it over to the young uh, adults ministry and however they want to conduct the service. Now, if you get out of hand, just tell you right now, (laughs) if you get out of hand, right? (laughs) But we trust you. See, we trust you in the Lord. You've been faithful to this far. We just trust you. (laughs) No, I'm not worried in the least. While well, joking aside, it's time that ye, you all begin to minister the word, m- lead the worship, and and follow, learn to follow, sense what the Holy Spirit is doing, because at some point in time it will be on you. Um, so, and uh, this 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 there's always this transitional time in people's lives, and I'm not really saying that it's you know nobody knows when we're going to go, but we need to be ready to go um the truth of passing on from one generation hit me back in the mid 90s when i was with my mother she passed in the in 2000 and but i was with her we went to a a viewing of my one of my aunts quite elderly and she wanted to stop by uh the one of the cemeteries on the way home where my grandparents and her mom and dad were laid to rest and so we were there and we were reminiscing and she was talking she's a history book so i'm listening to all the connections you know and the relatives that i didn't know and you know how that is <clears throat> you have no idea who she's talking about or what they look like and she go and then it dawned on her i saw it hit her face i saw her face it dawned on her she's i'm next there she realized that there were no except her sister there was nobody older than her anymore she was now the elder within the line and like and this is kind of how we have to see it in a spiritual sense you know we if we're the older people we got to be looking for the younger people to pass on what we've learned and so paul uh and he was doing this early on in his ministry, right from the start. He he drafted these young fellows that had a heart for the ministry, and so that's really how he looked at Timothy. And Timothy, First Timothy one two, he calls him a true son. Second Timothy calls him a beloved son. So there's this growing relationship that he had with him, a fondness that he had for him. And here, you know, and it's, he's my son now. Sorry, Lois and, and uh, your Eunice, it's my son now. <laughs> I mean, he's claiming this guy, so there's just a real closeness there, and I think that's a precious, precious thing to have. And why was that? Because verse twenty is, gives us a hint. He was he, there was nobody else like minded. You know, if you're going to serve with someone, you got to think sort of alike. You don't have to see everything eye to eye, but you have to have be on the same page about meeting people's needs. You know, um, it, like we at Calvary Chapel have one thing in common. Our opinions don't really matter. It's the it's God's opinion. It's, you know, I can tell you what I I think, and that really doesn't mean a whole lot. But I should when I tell you what God says, and you, that means a whole lot, and you should pay attention to that. And we always, you know, this is what we learn in biblical counseling. Don't give people your opinion. Take them to the Word of God. Show them in the Scripture what the Scripture says about that. If the Scripture is silent about that, then you can be silent, or you can tell them that you're giving... Them your opinion based on what other wisdom and maybe life experience you have, but always point people to the Word of God. We need a good working knowledge of the Word to be able to do that, and so uh, that's that's how we meet people's need. It, it is it is the Word of God that meets people's need, not uh, some pop psychology or some wisdom that we may think we've a- attained it to, and and we think you know. Yeah, okay. The word's important. We don't know how important it is. You, we never know what we're going to say as ministers of God that is going to touch someone's heart in a way that'll be life changing and can change the course of their life. We just just got to be faithful to to bring God's word. Um, don't think people, as Chuck taught us, don't think people are more spiritual than they are, or you'll never meet their need. And that's why we bring the word of God, because that meets the need, whether we know there's a need there or not. And my word will not return unto me void. It will accomplish the purpose where I send it. So that's what we're going to be judged for. So Timothy was a genuine soul. He was truly interested in the health of the church. And that's what pastors are here for. And Timothy was like Paul. That's why they got along so well verse 21 talks about him being other centered he wasn't self-centered he wasn't selfish and this is what obviously the mind of christ is all about jesus was the most other centered being and still is uh, today you know this this is a this is a hard lesson for us to 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 come to it's kind of like going from childhood to adulthood um you know you you just learn to put away childish things and you learn to that you're not the, it's not all about you anymore but there there are other people involved in life's equation and you you learn to die to self and um you you find out that being there to serve others and making yourself a slave isn't really as bad as you might have thought it was would be initially you know and i think for most of us the school that we go through is raising children um I've said this before it's just because it's such a good truth When I started parenting I did you know i didn't really have much of an example of a parent growing up. my grandparents probably did the most of it my older sister, as far as my brother and i my young we were the younger two and um so not really having a model, becoming Christian it's like, I had to figure this out. It's like, you know, how do I you know, I I don't wanna be mean to my kids and I don't want to be just so strict that they they're they feel choked out, you know. And so I with my wife and I working together obviously we we kinda come to the conclusion, well, you know, how does God train us? How does God parent us? And it was sort of, maybe it wasn't in those terms, but that's kind of how I looked at it. Well, God is, you know, like when you make a mistake or you're doing something that you kind of know is sort of sketchy. I always felt like the Lord warned me, no, or don't do that. Or you had a You had something that come in your spirit that gives you reason to pause. And so I kind of took that as, well, I'm going to Warn my children first. I'm gonna tell them don't do that, and then I'm gonna warn them, and then I'm not gonna do anything else after that. Then that's on them when I'm gonna strike, <laughs> right? That type of thing. I mean, I wouldn't put it in those terms, but you get the idea. <laughs> you know that that's the way it is. You know, because you know when the Lord tells you something, and then you sort of like, well, you know, you're not totally settled in it, and then there's the warning, and then there's silence. I don't know about you, but that silence, I think that's what he's talking about. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Ooh, I've only got so much time, and then I could get chastised for this. <laughs> Something like that. You can make, you, you know, It might be a little bit different in your life, but you get an idea what I'm talking about. But I think that's important. How is God parenting me? And then as a pastor, as a church leader, one who ministers the word of God you have if you you can't give what you don't have if you you want to preach grace then you have better have experienced grace if you want to preach on mercy then you want, you should think about how God has had mercy upon you so you, you always have to have this and of course you know most of us preachers we'd rather just teach the lesson rather than experience the lesson <laughs> and it's kind of like parenting we'd rather just Oh, just raise yourself, kids. You're wearing me out. That's why we love grandkids. We just can take a measured amount and we're done. (laughs) Take over, mom and dad, (laughs) right? That's kind of the way that works. But the idea here is to avoid what's natural to us. And we're all about our own personal interests. We're selfish at heart. We need to recognize that. Timothy and Paul chose to live a different lifestyle. If you want to be a minister and you want to serve the Lord, then you're going to have to get used to to being interrupted and being other-centered because that's exactly what it takes to be uh, the example the Lord would want you to be. You're more interested in the Lord's interest than your own. Verse twenty-two says he had a proven character. Now this takes time to develop. Um, it comes through suffering. Uh, most of us, but it, suffering in our cultures—we've talked about it many times. It—that's it, uh, that's probably one of the most disgusting words you'll ever hear. Oh, you're just going to have to suffer through that. Oh, well, why? 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 do I have to suffer? I don't want to suffer. I'm in pain right now. Can't you tell? oh, hello, here, just take take this pill. I mean, we have so many ways to escape pain and suffering in our culture, and then uh, you know you add into the fact that everything is at our fingertips pretty much. We live in an era of in a time of absolute convenience. I mean, it's crazy. Oh, I forgot to order this for the project. Oh, that's okay, I'll just you know break out my thumbs and break out my little device, and okay, it'll be here tomorrow. I mean, it's just ridiculous the way our, it's instantaneous, and we want to transfer that into our spiritual development. My goodness, it, you know, you don't grow from being a, you know, toddler to being ready for college in six months. I mean, it doesn't happen that way. No, and neither does spirituality. It takes time and exposure and it's the long road of obedience, doing what you know is right, staying in that road, uh, has Isaiah calls it, the highway of holiness. And just it's just you've separated yourself unto God, and I'm going to do it your way no matter how much it hurts, and, and I'll trust you for the outcome. And so uh, this is what, how character is developed. Verse twenty-two, again. He served with me in the gospel. I, again, not only did he have a proven character, but he had, really had a servant's heart. Turn with me to Luke seventeen, and I know some of you have heard this before, and I, you know, and, and obviously, uh, Luke seventeen verse 7 I'm not here to (laughs) teach anything new a lot of ministry of the word is by way of reminder we need to be reminded we need to to hear things over and over because sometimes we just get we only pick up the certain nuances that we need at a certain time we're just we're not we need to hear this one time and then we need to hear this aspect another time so a pastor shouldn't have to Apologize for repeating himself. But I sort of feel a little, and to be honest with you, I sort of get like, you know, I thought that just recently. I mean, should I be saying that again? I mean, it's like, you know, and I've just learned over the years, like, you know what? Just let it go. I'm just going to bring it because somebody may have not been there. You don't know. You just be faithful to the text. And I love this when it comes to really having a perspective on being a servant. And this is uh, Luke 17. In verse 7, which of you, having a servant plowing or tending sheep, will say to him, when he has come in from the field, come in, come at once and sit down to eat. But will he not rather say to him, prepare something for my supper, gird yourself and serve me till I have eaten and drunk, and then afterward you eat and drink. Does he thank that servant because he did the things which were commanded him? I think not. So likewise, you, when you've done all those things which are commanded you, say, we are unprofitable servants. We have done what was our duty. Now, Paul goes into this whole idea of of not only this perspective on, look, we're just doing our job. You can labor for the Lord one of two ways. You can labor for the Lord after you become a Christian. You're born again willingly. And I tell you, that's the way the Lord prefers it. Or you can do it unwillingly. That's not the right way. You'll get to heaven, but you're, gonna, you're not going to get the same kind of reward as if you would have done it willingly. And I think that's important for us to understand. There's just something about, it's sort of an analogous to, how many here like your job? Not too many people. <laughs> <laughs> That's not a good thing, really. Uh, bad analogy, right? <laughs> but it's analogous to employer-employee relationship. You know, you like the guy, you you like your job. It's a whole lot different than if you feel like you have to be there and you don't really like the guy you're working for and you're just there for the money. You're there for the paycheck because i got to pay the bills. That wears on you if you're there unwillingly and see people it's just a it's the same way in in the kingdom if you are there serving the Lord with all your heart willingly you know you don't like everything that happens you know the ministry would be great if it wouldn't be for the people (laughs) you know that's that's just the way it is you know little kids need their diapers changed well people make mistakes they make messy they're messy mess up their lives They say and do things they shouldn't say and do. And then they want you to fix them. And you can't fix them. You can only tell them how Jesus can fix them if they'll surrender. So this is all part of what goes on. But this is what it takes to serve people, a right perspective. You just do what is your duty, you know? And you're not looking for the pats on the back. Your pat on the back will come... When, on the other side, when you stand before the Lord, and you know nobody's seeing, it's all done in secret, you, they're not, people don't know your blood, sweat, and tears, but the Lord does, and that's what matters. You, this is where seeing the unseen is important. It, it really does take faith. Who am I serving? When I take out the trash, when I do this, when I do that, yeah, I don't know, it doesn't matter who sees God sees. God's watching. God's keeping track. Boy, we need to hear that sometimes. I do. The other perspective of it is the Lord's perspective towards us. He's, in Luke, we have our self-perspective on what it means to be a servant. We're just doing our duty. But how does the Lord look at us? He doesn't look at us as servants. When we have that right attitude and we're serving him willingly, this is John fifteen fourteen. Gospel of John, chapter 15, verse 14. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I've called you friends, and for all all things that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you, that you should go and bear fruit. And that your fruit should remain. And that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. These things I command you, that you love one another. So, when you have a servant's heart, it will change your perspective on life in every area of your life. Not just your spiritual life, but just your work, your, at work, at home, as well as the church. And it really... It, it, what happens is your heart. It undergoes a, a supernatural transformation. So I love this, that the way the Lord looks at it. Yeah, we consider ourselves servants, but he says you're my friends because you love each other like I love you and you're willing to wash feet like I wash feet. So as we talked about this Sunday, it takes a transformation of the heart. It takes this is the work of the Holy Spirit as I simply yield myself to him. And um, I think we think about those beatitudes and that whole idea of what it's like to be um, you know, part of a citizen in the kingdom. So uh, let's finish up here uh, and then we'll pray with Epaphroditus. Now this fella back in Philippians here Paul has chosen actually two people one that was with him on the ministry team now he's referring to a guy from their own fellowship someone that God had raised up that was their minister but he had gone from Philippi at the request of the body of Christ there to find Paul and to take him something remember you know how the old prisons were they didn't like, they didn't have you know cable TV coming in. They didn't have a gym to work out in. They didn't have you know, food available that you know if they had money they could buy extra besides what might be served. I mean if you didn't get somebody from the outside of the system to bring it in and take care of you well that just made your suffering that much worse in prison. So that's why they were caring about Paul. They loved Paul, the Philippian church. And Paul got that because when Epaphroditus got there. he filled Paul in since you've been gone, this happened this happened. he just filled him in on all the work that God was doing in that church, and that's probably why Paul was really happy to write this letter. It's like oh hes just thrilled of the work that God was doing in the hearts and lives of those people and so he is using this fellow from their own church as an example of probably had the gift of helps, whatever I can do to help, but look how he uh, describes uh, Epaphroditus here. My brother. It doesn't matter if you're a pastor, an elder, a bishop. You consider yourself a pope. <laughs> Nobody would here. I'm pretty sure of that. <laughs> Think of Paul. No greater servant. No greater theologian. Total totally gave up his dignity to wash feet and to serve the church and to reach the Gentiles considered this brother, this servant a brother now this is what's amazing to me Jesus considers you a brother I can't get my mind around that actually he's not ashamed to call me his brother I just can't go there I mean, he can do that. And he can do whatever he wants. He's the Lord. I'm like, I am not worthy to be called a brother of Christ. But, and then that, Paul, had this, Paul had that same thing. And that's what happens to us. We doesn't matter who they are. They're my brother. They're my sister. We are the family of God. This is a beautiful, beautiful expression of Paul for Epaphroditus. And then he calls him beyond that a fellow worker. you know this is you understand this when you have someone in the workplace that you work with day in and day out and after a while you just sort of get to know them you go through the you go through it you go through the war with them lots of good examples there but for the sake of time you get what's going on there you know because you're laboring together you're suffering together I mean, there's guys in here that your job, you're probably closer to the guys at your work than you are some guys at church. Why? Not because you're related in Christ, maybe. Because you're working hard together and you're suffering together. Suffering bonds people together. And this is how Paul saw his relationship with Epaphroditus. I mean, this guy almost died serving the Lord. I'm not sure. He wasn't taking care of himself like he should have. Apparently. And then a fellow soldier, verse 25. These, this, is, this is what we are in the kingdom. We're, we're blood-bought. We're related to the blood of Christ. That's, cl- that's closer really because sp- it's a spiritual bond. It's really closer than the blood line. That's pretty close, but this is another level. This is an eternal bond. And Paul recognized that. But also, as servants of Christ, we're workers. There's no, everybody has to work. Everybody's got their own backpack to carry, Galatians 1. But we are to help bear one another's burden. I mean, sometimes the loads are just too heavy. I mean, think of the Sikowsky family. lost grandpa's not too far behind grandma. Grandma just left. There's a load right there. That's painful. They love the Lord, but it's still hard. So they needed some help from the church this week. To, you know, just emotional, knowing that the church was there, that they could come here, bring their family here, and spend time, kind of collect their thoughts this past Saturday. It was just, we were, you were there for them. You guys don't know a lot of that, but I'm telling you, it's just really neat to see how God does that because we're all part of the same family and we're working together. We're suffering together. But we're in war. A soldier. And then we can't forget that. We're in spiritual warfare. We're in a time in history right now. It's a very special time in history. What our nation is going through right now, we're going to look back in a decade and think, that was monumental, what we went through from 2016 through 2020 through 2024. Some amazing things are going to be happening in the next couple years in our country. You know, I'm just I'm really happy that God has answered our prayers by putting someone who loves our country at the helm, and we need to pray for his protection tonight. And along those lines, uh, pray for the Sikoski family, and also uh, he's a just a really good brother. He pastors Calvary Chapel, or he did pastor Calvary Chapel Aiken. Bob Lobby went to be home with the, went home to be with the Lord Sunday evening. He'd been sick for quite a while. Uh, it's in his sixties, and um, they're going to have a memorial service, uh, which I'm planning going to tomorrow night down in Aiken. So, we just need to pray for his wife Carol. Um, not very well off gave sacrifice his life for the ministry which is a good sacrifice no sacrifice compared to the sacrifice of christ but he gave his his entire life to serve the body of christ a very small fellowship um but very loving very just a really sweet brother and he's now with jesus so uh, like us before i forget to mention i want us to pray for him tonight so in closing here just a reminder uh about Epaphroditus. A brother, a fellow worker, a fellow soldier, a lover of people, a selfless soul. That's who he was as a person. And what he did was he was a faithful messenger to the church. So he got information that he needed from Paul. He brought this letter that Paul penned back to the church. So he was a faithful messenger. And he was... Uh, there, it really is in Paul's place. He was a leader in the church there. So, uh, tremendous examples walking, you know, in the footsteps of Christ. Paul said, "Imitate me, as I imitate Christ." And these fellows were—they were imitating Paul's walk because he would learned it uh, as well from the Lord. Father, we thank you for your Word, and we ask that you would give us the same grace, Lord, that you would make us like a Timothy, like an Epaphroditus, Lord, that we become like-minded, just like you, Lord, that we have a heart to serve other people. I thank you for the work you're doing in this church, Lord, and the joy that we experience because we've, we've learned this, and we're learning it. And so we ask that you bless our evening of together what remains in our prayer time, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.